So we've started a new sermon series here uh, entitled The Body of Christ. And we're going to be continuing on into that. This, this sermon was supposed to be the beginning of the sermon series a couple weeks back, but we had COVID go through our home. And, and uh, you know, life right now, you just have to be adaptive, right? You just have to kind of learn to go with the flow. So, uh, so we're going to be diving in here and laying out in 1 Corinthians 12 here. We'll be walking through what it means to be the body of Christ. Now, as I mentioned, uh, last week we're going to be uh, uh, doing scripture readings in other languages here that, that correspond with our sermons. And so I'm going to invite uh, Pastor Friday and Syrah uh, to come on up here who will read in uh, 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 Spanish and English and Anuak. All right, so as we read the scriptures together here, we are in 1 Corinthians 12, um, verses 12 and 13.. Keper on a rock bed, Ninudi, Kridwe, a chel. No to one a de la chel. Ne jojut, while a jo pata jojut, Kalange, while a jo a bedo, Nuitki, Kuitki. Nuweconi, mat, bed, Kridwe, a chel. Mano bed, drug And it reads like this in English 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Um, primero de Corintios 12, 13. Porque así como el cuerpo es uno y tiene muchos miembros, pero todos los miembros del cuerpo, siendo muchos, son un solo cuerpo, así también Cristo. Porque por un solo espíritu fuimos todos bautizados en el cuerpo, siendo judos, griegos, siendo esclavos o libres, y a todos se nos dio a beber el mismo espíritu. And all God's people said, Amen. The word of the Lord. As we begin today's sermon series, going through the body of Christ. One thing that, that we've seen happen in society and culture is an influence. We talked about this a little bit last week. The influence of the culture creeping into the church, which has led to a distorted perspective and image of how we see the church and how we experience it. If, if we don't have a right understanding of the significance of this here, the church, if we have a distorted understanding of the church, we'll miss out on the power and the presence of God working in it and in our experience of it, our part in it, in fact. Growing up, uh, uh, the, the, I went to VBSs and, and, and things like that. We have children's churches and Sunday school. And one of the, there was a little practice or exercise that we did. Some of you might recognize this right off as I started off. Here, and there's this little illustration of the church that we would do. And we took our hands 
and we inter- uh, some of you are already ready to start, right? And we took our hands and we interlocked them and we say, here's the church, here's the steeple, right? Open the doors and see all the people. Did you see how we did that? Isn't that special? Yeah, Karen's like, close the doors. <laughs> All right? I mean, it's magical. Do you see, like, you put your hands together like this, and, okay. All right. <laughs> so, so, here's the deal. Listen, so, listen to the words here. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. You know, open the doors and hear all the people, right? What's the church? The church is people. But in what we've taught and what I grew up in, and in this illustration, the church isn't the people. The church is the building. And, and, and I don't know about you, but, but, but in my life and many of us, we grew up with, and we still, the church, I'm going to church. Because we, and, and we locate it as a space, as a place, not as a people. Not we are the church, amen? This building is not the church, amen? Because if we don't understand this correctly, what the church is, we will act based on what we believe. That's how we live, right? We act on what we truly believe. And there was a time that the spiritual things happened in church. If we're going to pray, we're going to go to church. If, if we're going to do Bible study, or we're going to, we're going to uh, 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 grow in Christ, we're going to do it at a building. And we, we're trying to grow and push beyond that where we have Life groups where we meet in each other's homes and we gather together and, and we can do discipleship and pray and seek the Lord at Hy-Vee, at Starbucks or at Phileos or at school. That There is no sacred space that's separate from this world because we have Jesus. Every space is sacred where we are. The church is where? Wherever we are. This is just one of those little distortions that, that happens. If we misunderstand who the church is and what the church is, then we will dramatically misunderstand the significance of it and God's intention for it, and therefore our part we play in it. And so we come to the text for today, 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm going to be reading from uh, uh, verses 1 through 13. To give us broader context for the verses 12 and 13 that we'll be focusing on. So if you have a Bible or Bible app, go ahead and turn there as we open this message up here. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. There's a variety of activities, but the same God, who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another uh, utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, 
to another working of miracles and another prophecy, to another being able to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all in for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Join with me in prayer for the work of the Spirit in receiving God's word. Holy Spirit, we, we ask that you would, would unplug our ears. Lord, Lord, open our hearts. Remove the the blinders from our mind, Lord God. Help us to hear. Help us to hear and understand the beauty and significance of of, of this, this gathering, this, this, this thing called the church, your body. Open our hearts and our eyes. Jesus, move in me, God, as I... And my, my frailty and my weakness and my brokenness in this moment, Lord God. In your name we pray. Amen. As we come to this passage here in the book of Corinthians, Paul's addressing a problem that this church had. The church at Corinth was, was they put the funk in dysfunctional. All right? They were messed up. And one of the principal reasons why they were so dysfunctional and messed up as a church is because everyone was looking to themselves. They had a problem of pride. This individualism where every single every person was looking for a way that looked that could separate themselves from others and I'm better because of this, and it was whether it was a certain person who discipled them, uh, or, or it was it was what kind of food they ate, or it was what you know kind of lifestyle they lived and practices that they had, and, and, and they would use a lot of different things. And we come to this section, and Paul is addressing the individualism that creeped up, where they were saying, "Well, my gifting is better than yours." What God has given me makes me more spiritual and special than you. Or this individualism of setting themselves apart from each other and their differences became a source of division. Their differences were a means of looking at others and saying, you're deficient, you're less than me. And what Paul addresses here, jumping right in, uh, and these, in these first few verses, verses uh, 1 through 11, I'm going to just really kind of gloss over quickly to set the stage for verses 12 and 13. In, in, in verses 1 through 3, Jesus, or excuse me, Paul, who's not Jesus, let's just be clear about that, uh, Paul is, is, is saying by, by, by the Spirit of God here that, that what, what binds us together is the ability to call Jesus Lord. No one can say Jesus is Lord but by the Spirit. Paul is right off the bat addressing, you know, you guys are focusing on what the, the, the differences and how they separate you. And what God has done in us through Jesus is to focus on Him who brings us together. The One who brings us together. 
That changes how we see our differences. You see, what's important is if you can call Jesus Lord. That's, that's the evidence of the Spirit. That's the evidence of being spiritual. If you're a spiritual person, it's not what kind of gifts and what you, what you do. It's about who's Lord in your life. As a result... If Jesus is our Lord, that same, that one God, our differences don't divide. Our differences aren't deficiencies. Our differences demonstrate the glory of God. Paul explains here in verses 4 through 11, where he talks about these variety of gifts. Now, I want you to notice what he does here, all right? 4 through 6, variety of gifts, but same spirit. Variety of service, but same Lord. Varieties of activities, but same God. What he does here is he lays out the, the, the pattern here, the reference point. The metaphor for us understanding the church is there is one God, but he's three persons. Did you see how he referred to three different people there? The Holy Spirit, the Lord is Jesus Christ, and God the Father. What separates us and guides us in understanding the the depths and the riches of of what it means to be the church is the triune God. Now, now this may be kind of a new thing for some of you who are newer believers or a little little bit deeper, but but this is really important. We don't don't just pull out of a hat how we're designed as human beings and, and, and how we're supposed to relate to each other. We're given a design because we're made in the design of the creator. Back in Genesis 1, it's God said, let us make humanity in our image. God exists in community. Father, Son, and Spirit. He lives in eternal relationship with each other. You can go to the next slide. I'm sorry, go to the next one there. Here we go. God eternally exists in loving community, Father, Son, and Spirit. Our relationship with each other, therefore, through Jesus Christ, is a bringing back to what God designed us for, where he made us to be different from each other, and that's not a bad thing. That shouldn't separate us. That shouldn't be a cause for us putting some down and elevating others. That should be a means that we complement, not compete. We complement each other and not compete against each other. We demonstrate God's awesomeness and how special he is and the truth that Jesus is Lord by living out his nature of being one and yet different. The triune God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, three persons yet one God, that is our model. That is, that is our design for humanity. And the church is God's redeemed people to show the world, this is what I intended community to look like. This is what I intended humanity to look like. It's in this space where people say, Jesus is Lord. So Paul goes on to, to unpack this more with this metaphor in verses 12 through 13 called the body. Now, some of you who know me, you know soccer is my game. 
I love soccer. And if I wasn't old and broke, I'd still be playing soccer. And I'll probably try to get back at it and break myself some more, uh, thinking I can do things that I used to be able to do 10 years ago or even just two years ago. But I love soccer. And I love watching the World Cup, uh, which is going to be coming around here soon. World Cup is like the, it's like the Olympics, but for soccer. It's like the world stage for soccer. It's one of the biggest sporting events around the world. And one of the things that's interesting to observe is you've got these teams. And one of my, my favorite teams is Argentina. And uh, you get these national teams, and they have these players who are, who are amazing. And they're playing for all these different clubs around the world, these, these other teams where they make, do their day job and they make their, their, their money. And they're great. But they're not always playing together all the time. You've got these players who are really great, and they're all playing on these separate teams. And you go, like Argentina, for those in the soccer world know uh, they've got Messi, right? He's one of like, the greatest players in the world, Messi. All right, but you've got Lionel Messi. You've got one of the greatest players in the world. He's kind of like A-Rod in baseball or Aaron Rodgers in football or, you know, these great players. But then you, you bring them together on the team. You've got these great players. But if they don't play together, they don't win. Argentina has not won a World Cup in, in, in decades. And it's not because they don't have great players. In fact, they have one of the, one of the world's best players. But the reason why they struggle to bring it together on the biggest stages and the most important uh, competitions is because they struggle to come together as a team. When you focus on just your individual roles and your individual actions and responsibilities, when, when, when the individual is the focus, you're limited in what, what you can accomplish. You'll fall short and you'll fail. G, or Paul, again, Paul's not Jesus. In verse 12, he uses the metaphor, the body. The body, the human body to describe the church. The human body, this living organism with many parts. You've got hands, feet, elbows, arms, knees, toes. All of it are different parts, but it's one one physical organism. And every part is unique, and every part is important. And Paul's using this imagery to show how the church is a living organism. It's alive by the Holy Spirit. It's one, and yet it has many different kinds of parts. And it's all significant. Paul uses the phrase, in order to describe this, uh, that, 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 that this new thing that Jesus has done, he says we are in one spirit, in verse 13, you are baptized into one body. This word, language of baptism is, is the language that, that when we're baptized, it symbolizes this, it's this outward act that we go through, this outward expression of an inward reality, an inward belief, a trust in Jesus as Lord. In baptism, Jesus explained in John chapter 3 uh, to Nicodemus, he says, you, you must be born of the water and the Spirit. You can go to the next slide there. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Baptism is this symbol of being born again. Now, when we are born, we got some babies in the house. We are born into a family. Do you get a choice over the family you get born into? Anybody, did anybody choose their family they were born in? Anybody in the house? No? Some of you are like, I wish I had a choice. <laughs> we don't get a choice. When you're born, when, what, what, an automatic thing, the, the, what, 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 what Jesus is doing and the Spirit is doing in saving us is, is, is saving us out of isolation, saving us out of the life of me, and saving us into community, into family. When we are redeemed by Jesus, we are born again and we are born into a family. This is a good thing. This is a powerful thing because let's be honest, for many of us, family in this world, it does not realize and does not live out what is intended to be. Family, who is to be a place of protection, of love and intimacy, a place of security, of being able to be, be brought up and elevated is a place where we experience brokenness. Sometimes family is a place where we experience the most harm. But God has designed that his church is to be a redeemed place where healing takes place through God. To be a family where where our families did not live up to the design God created them to be. That unfortunately doesn't mean that even the church is perfect either, is it? We are continually working to live out that reality of the cross. But if we don't have a right view, we will never realize that this place can be a place of healing, a place of transformation, a place of restoration, where we become more alive than we could ever be apart from it. When you are born again through Jesus, you are born into a family. And when we realize that, Our approach to family, because of Jesus having received his grace, his mercy, his work for me personally, I want to bring it to others. Listen to these words by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, because God has bound us together in one body with other Christians in Jesus Christ, long before we ever entered into common life with them, we enter into that common life not as demanders, but as thankful recipients. Not as ones who who make demands. You see, Jesus has set up this this family. Before you were born into the family, the family's always existed since Jesus started it. And and you now being born into it isn't a place for you to come and expect like, give, 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 give. Bless me, serve me. It's a place where we come in with thankfulness. With grace, because we have been given so much. John Stott, the pastor scholar, says this, when we concentrate on what we share with each other, we are not facing the same direction. He uses this imagery of, of, of the circle. We are rather gathered in a circle facing each other. Put another way, we are neither all recipients, nor are we all givers, but we are in partnership in giving and receiving. 
all of a sudden, our, our way of relating is not about us. It's about we. It's not about me. It's about we. We're part of something greater than ourselves. And that includes, I need to receive. Because others are blessed by giving, but I need to be giving. I need to be part of sharing and blessing others. This is a partnership. We are a family. We're all in this together. Because we're bonded and we're born into a family, there's an implication about this that means that this isn't a choice. Like It's not optional. Like I want to be, I'm going to be part of the church or not. Last week I talked about, there's this whole movement of kind of this Jesus and me. Like, I'm good with Jesus. You know, I'm just going to spend some time just he and I growing and getting to know him. And that's a phenomenon. I work Jesus in me. I'm, I'm going I'm to have a relationship with Jesus, but, but I don't, you know, the church is just messy. It's broken. It's political. It's all these things. There is no such thing as Jesus in me. You, 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 you cannot love Jesus and not be part of his bride and not be part of his body. That essentially says you cut yourself off from Jesus. If you cut yourself off from the body, you cut yourself off from Jesus. It's not optional. And just because we're messy and broken doesn't mean that we should remove ourselves from it. We can either be part of the problem or part of the solution. Where, what part are you being in the body of Christ? We can be a healthy family member and help bring the redemptive work, the, 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 the work of, of restoration and healing and wholeness and joy in this place. Or we can be part of the pain. We're all part of the body. I like what Stanley Grins, he's a theologian, he says this. Christian brotherhood is, uh, is not an... Wrong quote, wrong quote. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Here we go. All right. Because we all confess Jesus' lordship, the bond between us is greater than all other human bonds. All right? So just let that sit with you. Because we all confess Jesus' lordship, the bond between us is greater than all other human bonds. Now, this may take a little bit of time to sink in. Have you ever heard that phrase, blood is thicker than mud? Have you ever heard that phrase, blood is thicker than mud? And what's that to suggest? Like, family is family. You never change that. Blood representing family. My, my family is my family. And even though we, we fight and we hate each other, like, we are still family. Mud being like we're all human beings. We're all bonded because we're human beings. Blood's thicker than mud. How much more the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus that courses through our veins. The grace of God that has saved us. How much more is that not more powerful to bring us together even beyond our own families. Our biological families. The blood of Jesus is powerful to bring us together. It's, it compels us. To come together. And so Grins goes on to say this. I'm going to the next quote. Because we share a common allegiance to Jesus, which is our highest loyalty, we also share a commitment to join together, to be the people of God. The covenant which inheres in the church, therefore, is our agreement to walk together, to be a people in relationship with one another. 
We who name Jesus as Lord, therefore, are one body, a community. This is how we, we express our love and devotion to Jesus, is to make one body. This is how we show the world that Jesus is Lord, is to create community. Now, the beauty of this community here is lived out in variety. So we are one body, but we are many. So Paul says, for one spirit you were born into, you were baptized into the body. And he explains here, Jews are Greeks, slaves are free. So he, he's taking a break here from the whole like, language about how are you gifted to talking about something even deeper. Things that, that deeply define us is our, our, our cultures, ethnicity, our socioeconomic statuses. Slaves free. These things that, that, that in society that separate us even. Jesus breaks the boundaries and, 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 and the lines that we draw that separate us. Jesus breaks them all down and makes us one family. You have a place to belong. It doesn't matter what the world has put on you to define you. To say, no, you're an outsider. Because of this, you're an outsider. Because of your ethnicity, because of your skin color, because of where you grew up, because of where you live, because of uh, uh, your social status, because of the job your parents have, whatever it may be, because of your, the shoes that you wear. I'm with you, but in grade school, I got grown up and I, I got grown up. All right, hold on, slow down. In grade school, growing up, just because I didn't have name brand shoes, I, I was... Oftentimes, reminded, I'm an outsider because I got my shoes at Payless. There's all these things that the world puts on us to say, you're an outsider. No, there's no outsiders in the family of God. Do you get that? There are no outsiders. You belong. Our differences are not points of separation through Jesus. Our differences are the things that create beauty. Our differences are even desired. Not points of pulling away, not points of putting down. Our differences are desired in God's family. We see it differently because of Jesus in us. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, none of those divisions exist. They don't compete. They complement. We celebrate. Like you've heard reading today in Anuak and, and in Spanish and in English. These are celebrated. These are valuable. Our differences. That's what makes this space different than anything out there in the world. You've heard all these agendas whether through politics of inclusivity and diversity and all these things, and they will all fail because they lack Jesus, because they lack the redemptive work, because they lack the redemptive work that changes hearts. There's no policy you can put in place that changes hearts. Only Jesus can do that. And only the love of Jesus can bring us together. All these political policies and agendas actually will cause more harm in the end than good. 
because they lack the only one who can make us one. That's where the church doesn't just change us. The church changes the world. And we have that one Lord. And we come together as one family. And everyone belongs. Dietrich Bonhoeffer has this quote. I'm, I'm skipping down here just so you know, Charlie. There's a book that, that, that I'm rereading here as we go through this sermon series called Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Highly recommend it. It's not a, it's not a very thick read. A lot of stuff by Dietrich Bonhoeffer is very thick and very heavy. This is a lighter read, thinner. It's good stuff. But, but, but Dietrich says this, it is easily forgotten that the fellowship of Christian brothers and sisters, if you will, is a gift of grace, a gift of the kingdom of God that any day could be taken from us. This is a gift that God has given to us. Dietrich is writing in a time in World War II in Nazi Germany, when they were exerting control, and this would be circumstances like what our brothers and sisters in China or or Iran are experiencing, where they cannot publicly and openly meet together and gather together in worship, and they're having to do it hidden. We can openly gather in this space, and this is a beautiful thing. We can't take for granted that this gift of being together and one and one family, this is powerful. And too often, friends, we take this for granted as optional. Not just Sunday morning, being God's family and committing to each other and creating a new community that not just changes us, but changes the world. We take this for granted. But when we get it, when we get that this is a gift, we live out that, 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 that there is beauty in the variety, that our differences do not divide, our differences are not deficiencies. We are one, and we all belong. Everyone has a part. As we close out here and bring the worship team up, I want you to examine your hearts. I want you to just look at these questions here that are on the screen. And I want you to just examine your heart. How, how are you thinking about, how have you approached being part of the body of Christ? Examine your view and your value of the church. How are you showing your commitment to Christ by your commitment to Christ's body? What distortions or misunderstandings do you have of the church and its significance? How are you entering into community or helping to build it? How are you letting differences demonstrate God's glory instead of letting differences to divide or be seen as deficiencies? Take a moment as we go through worship and to let these questions sink in. How are you How are you going to be part of the body? How will you help build the body? Because of Jesus. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would work in us. 
as you created this reality, we are the body, whether we want to be or not. If we are followers of you, you have borne us into a new family. God, we want to be all that you desire us to be and intend us to be. We want to experience your design so we can experience the joy. We can experience healing. We can experience restoration from brokenness and, and, and pain in our lives. We want, to, we want to be able to see others changed and transformed, Lord God. We want to see our community, our world changed because we show them what we were always meant to be that can only be possible through you, Jesus. Jesus, Holy Spirit, work in us now. In your name we pray.